want to say welcome to everyone in Mesa, everyone at Fountain Hills, everyone at South Mountain, and those of you who are joining us online. Isn't it good to be at church today? Come on. It's so great. I love October in Arizona. Um, and man, it's just so good to see what God's doing in our church. Uh, I think you chose a great day to come to church. I mean, what better day to go to church than Halloween day? Come on. I love it. I told the worship team that when we say come out of that grave, you should do the thriller dance, you know, like <laughs> right now there are uh, kids getting ready to run around their neighborhoods in costumes and dress up as ghosts and you're probably picking out some scary movies you might watch on TV tonight. Halloween's become a huge holiday in the United States, one of the biggest commercial holidays and it always kind of weirds me out when people tell me it's their favorite holiday. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Today I want to talk about ghosts, demons, and paranormal activity. What better day to talk about this? I grew up in a small town in Kansas, and we have one of those houses. You know the houses that are run down and abandoned? And people tell you, like kids tell other kids, that house is haunted. And so whenever I'd ride down that street on my bike, you know, I'd go by that house, and then I'd speed up really fast, like, you know, like praying, like as I go by the house, like, Anybody have a house like that growing up? You know, like, your house is haunted. Don't go near it. And I know a lot of people, they, um, they like horror movies. Some people watch ghost hunter TV shows. And maybe you've even seen those people on TV. They, they talk to the dead. And, and maybe you've wondered, like, what do you think about those things? What should you think about those things? And I want you to understand that supernatural, the supernatural world is real uh, and then some of the stuff that you see on TV is fake, but the supernatural world is real, so you need to know how to understand it, how to think about it, and if there are dark forces in this world, how to protect yourself against it. So I'm going to kind of give you a lot of content today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We'll just kind of follow along together. Here's the first thing. You can write this down if you're taking notes. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. That's my first point for today. When people talk about ghosts, usually what they mean is the disembodied spirit of a dead person who's now roaming the earth and haunting people, maybe haunting a house, uh, usually because they died with tragic circumstances and they, they can't rest until they get some kind of justice, which is maybe like an appealing thought. If people mistreat you in this life, at least you can haunt them in the afterlife. Um, but Jesus, who reigns over the supernatural realm, he's a subject matter expert on these things. He actually came from heaven. He actually died. He actually visited hell briefly, came back to life, and then ascended into heaven. So he is the subject matter expert on these things. He tells us ghosts are not a thing. Not a thing. Not real. That's not how it works. He tells us how it works. I've talked about this in the Life After Death series, but in Luke 16... Jesus told a story where he said, finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. So he told this story that immediately gives us understanding when a person dies, their soul goes to heaven or to hell based on whether or not they believed in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, we are fully confident. We're not confused about this. That we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. When you die and your body is put in a grave, your spirit, if you're a Christian, goes to be with the Lord. If you're not a Christian, it goes to hell. There is no roaming the earth as a ghost. Uh, and, and if there are such things as ghosts, according to the Bible, they cannot be disembodied spirits of deceased human beings. I'll talk about that here in a minute. When you think about ghosts, hauntings, fortune-telling, mediums, making contact with the dead, I want you to understand this is a second main point. All paranormal activity is either fake or demonic. That's really what we're dealing with. So let's talk about demons for a minute. Likely, there are at least millions, maybe tens of millions of demons roaming the earth. Where do I come up with that number? Well... In Revelation 5, it says that there are innumerable angels, 10,000 times 10,000, which is the Bible's way of saying too many to count, or if you took it literally, at least 100 million. And we know that uh, before, uh, in the, before man you know, was really walking this earth, that a third of the angels rebelled against God and were cast out 
um, of heaven, uh, along with Lucifer. So uh, if there's 100 million angels, that means that there's probably something like tens of millions of demons on the earth. In Isaiah 14, it talks about Lucifer being cast out of heaven. And I want to read this verse to you. It, it's a prophetic writing, so you have to kind of understand what it's talking about. It says this, How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning? That's a reference to Lucifer. He was an angel that was elevated above other angels. He was like the worship leader of heaven, essentially. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, listen to this, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars, I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. He wanted to usurp God. Uh, instead, it says, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depth. So Satan tried to usurp uh, God uh, when he was an angel called Lucifer. He was cast out of heaven. And instead of usurping God, because rebelling against God never works out, he was cast down to the place of the depths, to hell. And when he was cast out, one-third of the angels followed him in rebellion. I don't know how dumb you have to be to rebel against God as an angel in heaven, but apparently there were some dumb angels. So the good news, though, is that two-thirds of the angels followed the Lord, and God sends his angels as his messengers, as his servants. They minister to his people, and they watch over his people, and they carry out his will on this earth. So it's true that there are demons in this world, but at the same time, there are more for you than against you. Amen? But that does leave a lot of demons to wreak havoc and serve the devil in his effort to destroy people. Now, the good news is that demons are not all-powerful like God. They don't know everything. They can't read your thoughts. But they do know a lot, and they have been doing this for thousands of years. So you can imagine how experienced they are at helping the devil and seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know that ghosts aren't real. That means that all paranormal activity is either fake or it's demonic. So that means, you know, should you watch a show like Ghost Hunters? I would say no, because it's either fake, and if it's fake, there are more entertaining fake shows you could watch, or it could be demonic, possibly both. Either way, not really great, I think, to watch. So would demons actually haunt buildings to scare people? I would say probably not. Probably not. Here's why. One, there's no scriptural evidence or examples of a demon haunting a building, trying to scare people like that. Here's why I think they wouldn't do that. It's because they're smart. They're smart. And, and to be honest, they're smarter than us in many ways. They've been around for thousands of years. They're experienced in strategy, trying to trick people. Uh, and really what the devil and his demons want to do is not scare you. They want to destroy you. And the main way they destroy people is by deceiving people. They're happy to keep you happy as long as your happiness keeps you away from Jesus. And it works. That's why if you go to areas of, of our city even where there, it's more wealthy, like if you go to a place like Scottsdale or Fountain Hills where there's a higher level of wealth, there are less people in those communities who attend church. Because people have money, they feel more okay with their lives, they feel less need for God. The devil is fine with that. He's happy to keep you happy if it keeps you away from Jesus. And so I don't think the devil would haunt houses. Here's why. Think about it. If all of a sudden your cabinets and doors started opening and banging shut and dishes started flying around the house, right, and the lights started flickering on and off, would you be, question, more or less likely to go to church that Sunday? <laughs> you, you'd be more likely, wouldn't you? I get messages actually sometimes. It'll be someone like I haven't seen him at church in two years. And they'll be like, Pastor Ryan, I think my house is haunted. I need you to come pray for my house. Like sprinkle some holy water or something. I don't know what you do, but do something. Because, you know, maybe it's demons. And I'm like, where, where have you been, bro? <laughs> like... <laughs> I haven't heard from you in two years. You haven't been going to church. Now you think your house is haunted? 
Like, why would the devil want to mess with you? He's got you right where he wants you. Complacent. You're not a threat, right? And so I think, you know, if all of a sudden you thought your house was haunted, demons were trying to scare you, you'd be more likely to reach out to your pastor, go to church. You'd put on worship music. You'd be praying in tongues. You'd be trying everything, right? Because you, but demons want you complacent. They want you to think you're totally okay without God in your life, that you've got time later to get serious about God, that you can't really trust the Bible. You can't trust churches or pastors. Who knows if Christianity is even true? You don't have to believe the parts of the Bible you don't like. And they'll say, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You're fine. Most of what demons will try to do is lull you to sleep with spiritual rockabye baby. Rockabye baby. Don't make a sound, right? They just like, shh, 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 it's okay. You're fine. You don't need God. You'll be all right. Here's the third thing. Don't underestimate the power of darkness or the power of Jesus. On one hand, some Christians make the mistake of overestimating the power of the devil. And they're always like praying about the devil and demons. We got to bind up the devil. We got to pray against demons. Like they're obsessed with it. You got to remember, according to the Bible, the devil only has the power in this world that God has granted him. The devil had to ask God for permission to mess with Job. You realize that, right? So that God has given the devil temporarily some degree of power on this world. He's given people free will and the opportunity, opportunity to choose, like the angels, do you want to follow the devil or do you want to follow God? And maybe that seems confusing to you, but that's, that's his plan. It's a temporary part of his plan. Eventually there will be a reckoning. But it's just as big of a mistake to underestimate their power. The devil and demons, which were angels, they are supernatural beings. Um, they are physically probably more strong than us, and God has given them some degree of power. But I want to clear up one thing. This is one important thing. If you go to Generation Church, please get this straight. Christians cannot be demon-possessed, okay? I want you to understand that. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. Now, let's think through this. If I abandoned my house for three years and just moved away, nobody was living in my house, and then after three years I came home, it wouldn't be that shocking if I walked in and found some squatter living in my house, right? Like that, that's, that's not an uncommon thing. But you can believe that while I am living in my house, there is no squatter trying to come in and take up residence. Because I wouldn't let them. My friends, Smith and Wesson, would help me to reject... <laughs> we got some Arizonans here today, amen. I love being a pastor in Arizona. So if, if mere Ryan can keep squatters out of his house, how much more can the Holy Spirit? He's not taking roommates. He's not going to let a demon come in and become, uh, be a roommate in your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But Christians can be deceived. They can be influenced. You can be potentially hindered and possibly even attacked by demonic forces. Sometimes you can't help that. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It's just that we're living in the world. There's supernatural warfare going on around us. And we see an example of this with the Apostle Paul. He was getting a lot of attention from demons as he went around preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch this. Maybe you've never noticed this. It says in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. We wanted to come, but Satan hindered us. Is what I don't know if he messed up the, the boat schedule and the, the travel plans. Uh, and to some degree, God allowed that to happen. But it does show you that the devil and his demons, they have some degree of power. And the more you try to do for God, the more you could get the attention of the enemy. Um, I've noticed in our church recently that as 
most churches are sadly shrinking. They've got their doors closed these last couple of years. They're living in fear. Uh, they're retreating. Um, they're struggling. Here is Generation Church taking ground, growing, opening up new campuses, building new buildings. We're hiring more pastors. More people are getting saved. That's the kind of thing that gets the attention of the enemy. And, and if you've been to this church for a while, you know, I'm not like a spiritually weird person. I'm not over-spiritualizing things. You know, sometimes your car just breaks down because it's just, a, it's a machine, right? Sometimes you just get sick. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a demonic attack. But I do believe that in the recent uh, couple of months here, our church and our staff has been dealing with more supernatural attacks that come from the enemy. There's just been so many things uh, sicknesses and accidents and just things that keep happening. And it really does remind us that we need to pray. We need to pray against the schemes of the devil. Um, but I'm grateful. I, I would take that all day. I'd rather be part of a church that is doing something for Jesus and gets the attention of the enemy than a dead church that the enemy's happy to just leave alone. So if you want to defend yourself against darkness, we all, we all do, uh, you've got to arm yourself with the light. Here's what it says in Acts 19. Uh, I think this is a great passage. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They were Jews. They weren't Christians. But Jews also believed, they believe in demons and angels. Um, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom that Paul guy preaches about, to come out, demon. Uh, these guys, they were seven sons of a priest named Sceva. They were doing this. Verse 15 says, but one time when they tried to do it, the evil spirit, this is demon, replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul. Can't you just read this? It's so funny. Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. That's rough, right? I mean, these Jews are trying to use the name of Jesus like a, like a magic word to cast a demon out. And they were doing it probably to get glory for themselves. And this demon is like, I've heard of Jesus. I know him. I know Paul. But who are you guys? And this demon like beats these dudes up and pants them and sends them out of the house naked. I mean, that's crazy. So what this shows you is that it's not good enough to know about Jesus. You need to know Jesus. It's not good enough to just use his name. You need the spiritual authority that comes from sharing his name through adoption. You won't defeat evil spirits unless you've got the Holy Spirit. You realize that? And I want to give you a quick word of caution against this. Uh, this is something that happens sometimes in church circles. I want to give you a word of caution against assuming people are demon-possessed. And I've seen this where overzealous church people, they encounter a difficult person and they think, oh, I need to cast the demon out of that person, you know. And, and there are some people, they have mental health issues. There are some kids that just have behavioral issues. And you can imagine how traumatic it would be if you're a teenager with, you know, a rough past, a rough childhood, and some church person comes up to you and says, you've got a demon, I need to cast it out of you. Don't, don't do that. All right. You got to be real careful about that kind of thing. Uh, this would be hurtful. Um, and a lot of people, they need the kindness of Jesus more than they need an exorcist. Okay. But, let me just say, but, if you do encounter someone who is demon-possessed, you're like, how will I know if they're demon-possessed? You'll probably know. <laughs> Speaking in a voice different, sounding than their natural voice, identifying themselves. It's a thing. It happens. You can exercise the same spiritual authority that Paul did. You can cast that demon out in Jesus' name with the authority and confidence that comes from being filled with the Spirit of God. You don't even need to call a pastor, honestly. You don't need to be perfect. It's not based on your perfection, right? Demons don't flee based on your perfection, your commitment, your volume. They flee based on the power and authority of Jesus' name. 
And we share authority over demonic forces through Jesus. In 1 John 4, it says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Amen? Aren't you grateful for that? You know, I, I've been counting a lot of Christians are like real freaked out and scared of, of the devil and demons and stuff. And it really, it really causes them a lot of anxiety. And I want you to understand that's unnecessary. You don't need to be afraid of demons. You've got a spirit in you, which is God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And he is so infinitely greater than any demonic forces that you would encounter. That being said... I do think that many people and even some Christians get sucked into unknowingly demonic activity without realizing it sometimes. And generally speaking, just my pastoral advice, it's good to avoid interacting with demons. Hmm, hmm, yeah, hmm. Okay, so how might that happen? Uh, a lot of things maybe you never thought about before. Some of you have, but things like a Ouija board. That's an attempt to communicate with spirits, and probably most of the time nothing happens. But if something does happen, we know it's not a ghost. So what kind of spirit would you be communicating with? Not the Holy Spirit. You'd be a demon, a, demon, a demonic spirit. So there are games where you contact the dead. Um, it could be something like um, talking through a, a, a medium there are mediums you might maybe have seen on a TV show. Like I've even seen on regular talk shows, like a show, I don't know, like Oprah or something. Have a medium come in. This is, this is Peter. He talks to the dead. He communicates with the dead. And he'll, uh, he'll talk and interact with people in the audience and interact and communicate on behalf of deceased, usually deceased loved ones. Again, that's either fake or it's demonic. I say most of the time, probably a lot of the time, it's fake. You notice how ambiguous it usually is? You know, someone will be like, oh, my mom died. And, and he'll be there like, okay, uh, I, I'm getting a, a sense you were once close. <laughs> yes, we were once close. Uh, you used to go on lots of trips. No, not really. Oh, your mom was a trip. Yes, that is it. That, that's it. One time you did something that disappointed your mom. I did. I did. She said, she forgives you. Wow. How could he know that? It's dumb. Yeah. Okay. But possibly... A medium could be receiving information from a demon. Demons are ancient. They've been around for thousands of years, millennia. They know facts and they know stuff that a regular person might not be able to know. They could know things about what's going on in your body. They could know information that a human uh, couldn't know. They could know stuff that they learned from other dead people. And they could, even, they could even offer you seemingly helpful information. That's why nations, uh, leaders have turned to mediums and sorcerers for thousands of years to get guidance on things like when to plant crops, when to go to war, what to do. And it could be that they got legitimately good guidance from a demonic force. That's because demons don't mind helping you in the short run if they can destroy you long term. They're happy to help you short term, get you coming back for more, if helping you keeps you away from seeking God for help. So let me give you an example of this in the Bible. Acts 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. So what kind of spirit? A demonic spirit. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. What's going on there? Uh, fortune teller. Just like you've seen probably in strip malls, some you know, lady with a glass, you know, I'll tell your fortune. And I would tell you, have nothing to do with that. It's not harmless fun. It's demonic. 
And notice that this demon-possessed girl, she shouted out something that is true. These men have come from the Most High God, and they're telling you how to be saved. Why? That's because uh, demons, they are subject to the authority of God. And it reminds us of in Philippians where it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So here's a demon-possessed girl confessing that Jesus is Lord. And so that shows you, like, eventually there's going to come a day every single person is going to bow to Jesus, whether they served him in this life or not. In verse 18, it goes on to say, This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. So after a while, Paul just got tired of this noise. He's like, demon, go away. I'm trying to preach the gospel over here. So here you see that this girl received some degree of ability to tell the future. Demons, they don't know everything like God, but maybe there are certain things they could say that would, that would seem like predicting the future to a degree. Um, and it can cause people to seek demonic forces for help instead of Jesus. This demon gave this girl real power. And people who practice witchcraft and, and occult and pagan religions, they are seeking power. That's really what they're seeking. And the devil can give them some degree of power. But that power is nothing compared to the power of Jesus. Amen? The Bible warns us against seeking out paranormal things for help, for guidance or insight. It says in Leviticus 20, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So really, what God is saying there is, don't cheat on me by going to, to demonic spirits for help. Come to me. I'm your father. I want to help you. Consulting spirit guides, seances, uh, Eastern religions that, that do a lot of stuff with meditation can be new age demonic idolatry. And there could be people in our church, you might have pagan, demonic, new age items in your house and not even know it. It's really popular right now. Uh, I see in Hollywood with influencers, uh, they'll have uh, things like, they'll say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And they'll have a lot of spiritual items around their house, like crystals. You see a lot of crystals. Probably a lot of you have seen that online. You probably have friends who got crystals, right? Oh, yeah, these crystals, they give me energy. These crystals, they recharge me. And I'll see that they have like copper rings around their house. These copper rings, they, they just create good energy. Dream catchers out of the Native American pagan religion, right? Oh, yeah, that, that just, I just like it. It just helps me feel good, right? Uh, these are spiritual artifacts and items that have pagan, potentially demonic roots. And in the book of Acts, there was a point where some former sorcerers and witches got saved. They, they chose to follow Jesus. They brought their demonic artifacts, their books of spells and all that stuff to the apostles, and they burned them. The Bible says they were worth millions of dollars, these books that they burned in today's money. And I would just encourage you, if you've got stuff in your house that's demonic, that's new age, that's pagan, it could be certain horror movies, it could be demonic music and dark stuff like that, it could be pornography, anything like that, you can put a little, you have a little Holy Ghost bonfire, burn that <laughs> stuff as a way of saying I'm done I'm done with that throw it away get rid of it bring it to church next week we'll have a bonfire we'll roast marshmallows on it and just so let me talk about this can Christians participate in Halloween festivities Uh, I see this online all the time now uh, especially the last couple of weeks I can't believe Christians are celebrating Halloween how can you participate in the devil's birthday, teaching your kids to worship Satan. Like, you just see all this stuff. So real quick, what's the history of Halloween? You probably heard some of this before. Some of you, maybe not. Halloween goes back about 2,000 years to a Celtic pagan holiday called Samhain. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Samhain, I don't, I don't really care, honestly. But it fell on November 1st. Uh, and they thought that during this time, the veil between the natural world and the spiritual world got thin. And so they were afraid, actually, of evil spirits and ghosts um, hurting them or haunting them or causing problems. And so what they would do is set out gifts 
and food to win favor with these spirits. Hope, and they would even wear costumes so that the evil spirits wouldn't recognize them. Later in the 7th century, this was transformed by the Christian church into All Saints Day or All Hallows Day. And what Christian leaders have done throughout history is when they've come into a community and they've preached the gospel and converted a bunch of people to Christianity, they've integrated some of the existing cultural practices into their practices. And it's just kind of a way of taking over and infusing the culture with Jesus uh, and working with some of the cultural practices rather than trying to work against all the cultural practices. So really, and really if you think about it, what they were communicating is you're afraid of evil spirits, you're afraid of ghosts, we're going to teach you the real way to defend yourself against evil spirits. It's not by putting out food and wearing costumes, it's knowing Jesus. So All Hallows' Eve, later called Halloween, continued to be observed with bonfires and costumes and parades under a new name. In the 16th century, it was customary in England for those who were poor to go begging on All Souls Day. And eventually, children took over the custom. Uh, They would go and people would give them cakes with little crosses on them called soul cakes in exchange for prayers. And in the 18th and 19th century, there was even a Christmas tradition called bell snickling in eastern areas of the United States and Canada, which was similar to trick-or-treating, where people would go out in costumes from house to house and perform small tricks in exchange for food and drink. Uh, So celebrating on Halloween is not worshiping Satan any more than not celebrating is worshiping Jesus, okay? It did have some pagan background and dark elements in its origins, but there is a long history of Christians incorporating elements of existing culture into our celebrations. That's what we do. We just take stuff over and we turn it around, repurpose it for good in Jesus' name. And so maybe you're like, well, is that okay to do that? Or should we have nothing to do with it? Well, this is where the Bible, hint, hint, is really helpful. Once again, in 1 Corinthians 8, it says this, So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? I'm going to explain this. Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and there is only one god. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are violated. So here's what was going on in ancient times, that people would go to their false religious temples, these false religions, and they would sacrifice animals to their false gods and to idols. That's creepy, it's weird, it's pagan, it's demonic, we know that. Then, because they were practical, the the false religions would take the meat from those animals and they would sell it in the market because it was still perfectly good meat. And as Christians uh, became believers in Jesus, a lot of them felt in their conscience like, I don't want to eat meat that was once sacrificed to an idol. And other Christians thought, that's totally fine. Who cares? Idols aren't real. Those aren't real gods. They're just sacrificing this meat to like a, a hunk of wood, a piece of metal. It's still a perfectly good filet. And so there was a disagreement among Christians about is it okay or not to do something, to, to, to eat this meat if it has nefarious background. And so that's where we see that uh, I think this is really helpful with, with Halloween. Okay, So some Christians say Halloween has weird pagan roots and so I'm not going to celebrate it. Others say it doesn't bother me. And I would say that's okay because it's a matter of conscience, like eating meat sacrificed to idols. I'm going to keep explaining this. Now, here's one thing I'll, I'll often see on the Internet around this time. People will post quotes from Satanists. Christians will quote uh, th- this one guy, Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, who said that by dressing up, and wearing a costume or coloring oneself for Halloween, that's, tan- that's tantamount to worshiping the devil. Celebrating Halloween signifies that you allow Satan to own you, he said, and that when you adopt these pagan practices, you're subconsciously dedicating yourself to the devil. So he said he took joy in Christians who take part of, in the Halloween tradition, saying 
and you'll see this quote on the internet, I am glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. Welcome to Halloween. These statements are corroborated by another former Satanist named John Ramirez, who uh, became a Christian later, became a pastor, and he said this. He said that when you dress up at all, even as an angel or a mermaid for Halloween, you're giving the devil legal rights to change your identity. Okay? So, people will post quotes like that from Satanist Christians and be like, see, we shouldn't celebrate Halloween. The Satanist said... Do you see the problem with this? Who cares what a Satanist says about anything? They're Satanists. Right? They're not our source of guidance. They're not our wise counsel. If Satanists said, the devil loves it when you eat devil's food cake. I'm still going to eat it. And there are even pastors who have terrible theology on this issue and need to go back to seminary. Satan has no legal right, as these Satanists claim, over you because you wear a costume. Because we know what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. You were bought by the blood of Jesus that was shed for you as a Christian. You belong to Jesus. He has legal right over your soul. In John 17, Jesus said, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, Christians, because they belong to you, God. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. So we belong to Jesus. The devil's not going to sneak into Jesus' house. Shh. And steal you from God because you put on a Halloween costume. That is so dumb. I can't even handle it. (laughs) So I would say this. Be careful about what you're consuming and be careful about who you're judging. Some Christians do need to be way more careful about what they're consuming. I get concerned about some of the movies that you all watch. Horror movies that are very dark and even demonic. Um, and I would encourage you, those of you who are going to celebrate Halloween, to dress up, if you're going to do that, in costumes that are not demonic, that don't celebrate witchcraft or represent sorcery or gross, creepy things or murderers because you're still representing Jesus in everything that you do. So how do you, let me just give you a little practical help here with this. Um, how do you tell the difference between a scary movie that might be appropriate versus a horror movie or de- that's demonic or something that you should stay away from. Here's just my advice, my personal advice to you. I think that, you, one, you can kind of tell the difference in your spirit, but, but more practically, things that are make-believe, that are totally unrealistic, uh, that are just completely fantasy, usually um, are, are more acceptable than something that's uncomfortably realistic like a murderer that breaks in people's houses and kills them in their sleep. That's the kind of thing that keeps you up at night, all right? A make-believe movie, right, with some, like, monsters in it. Like, you know it's fake, and it's probably not going to have the same kind of negative impact on you. But if you're not sure, listen to the Holy Spirit who's guiding you. That's why you have a conscience. The Holy Spirit communicates with you and says, I don't want you to watch that kind of movie right now. Maybe even in this season, it's not good for you. I don't want you to watch it. Just, and so there are some things like zombie shows and stuff. Like It's just totally unrealistic. It's not the same as creepy, demonic, gross things that you're like, oh, you just watch. And in your spirit, you know the difference. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit will communicate with you and you'll know the difference. Some things you'll be like, I feel like this is okay for me. And other things, you'll just know, I, I just need to turn this off. I should, and hopefully you get to the point where you can just look at the title and the cover art and you know, that's a no. That's a no. I'm not going to watch that. Uh, in Romans 14, it says this. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. Remember my first conversation about food sacrifice to idols? Another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. So there was vegans in the Bible. <laughs> vegans need Jesus too. 
Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge them whether they stand or fall. So I I think there are some Christians, they need to be careful about what they're consuming. Other Christians need to be careful about who they're judging. There are certain issues like this, and like celebrating Halloween is a great example. It's a matter of conscience. It's not your responsibility to judge another Christian for dressing up and celebrating Halloween. Now, if there was a Bible verse that said, thou shall not celebrate Halloween, then we would, no, it's not a matter of conscience. And people will use this passage from Romans 14 um, out of context whenever a controversial subject comes up. People will be like sleeping with their girlfriend, boyfriend, like don't judge me because this says don't argue about what's right or wrong. Like no, no, no. The Bible's very clear about that. We're talking about matters of conscience, things that are in the gray area that aren't clearly defined in scripture, okay? So we're reminded that as a Christian, I'm a servant of Jesus, you're a servant of Jesus, and there's gonna come a day you stand before Jesus, he's gonna judge you, For your individual specific choices. In Romans 14 it says, And I know I am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Okay, so this is telling you that if in your conscience you feel convicted about something and then you go against that, then you did sin. So another good example is alcohol. The Bible doesn't say alcohol is a sin. It says getting drunk is a sin. But for some people, it's a matter of conscience. They say, for me, I I feel like I shouldn't drink. For me, it would be wrong. And if you feel that in your conscience, then it would be wrong. That's what this is telling us. So what that means is if you think other people shouldn't be celebrating Halloween, you're probably wrong. If you think you shouldn't be celebrating Halloween, you're probably right. You tracking with me? And what this tells us is no food is evil in and of itself. In the same way, no day is evil in and of itself. Satan has no more authority on October 31st than he had on October 30th. This day today is also the day that the Lord has made, so we should rejoice and be glad in it. Here's the fourth thing. Demonic activity is usually deceptive activity. Demons, the devil, I I don't think he's really interested in haunting uh, creepy buildings or scaring you when you're alone in your house. They're interested in deceiving you and tempting you away from God's plan for your life. Much more subtle. John 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So if the devil wants to destroy you and Jesus offers you life, what do you think the devil wants to do? Keep you away from Jesus. That's what he does. There are some Christians, they're all worried about other Christians celebrating Halloween. That's Satan's day. And I would say celebrating Halloween is probably the least satanic thing a lot of Christians do. I see Christians do satanic things all the time. They don't even realize it. It's not witchcraft. It's not pentagrams. It's more subtle than that. I'll give you some examples. Like 1 Samuel says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Hmm. 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 I've, I've seen a lot of Christians who have been rebellious against the authority that God put in their lives. I've seen churches split because one pastor rebels against the senior pastor and goes off and starts a new church and takes people with him. That's satanic. Just like Lucifer tried to lead a rebellion against God in heaven, the first attempted church split. God does not bless any church that starts that way. Right? I know Christians who will refuse to listen to anything a pastor tries to say. Right? You, who are you to tell me what to do? Right? Uh, that's rebellion. People that rebel against, uh, kids that rebel against their parents. It's as the sin of witchcraft. It's not literally the same as witchcraft, but it's the same degree of sinfulness, and it's the spirit of witchcraft. Uh, another thing I think about, it, it says uh, that when Lucifer, who became Satan, got kicked out of heaven, why did he get kicked out of heaven? He tried to take God's place. 
He tried to put himself above God. I think that I've seen Christians who try to put themselves before God. Maybe even in their finances. I'm just saying. When you tithe, you put God first over your finances. When you don't tithe, you're saying, I'm first. I'm going to take the first place. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm saying this stuff. We were having so much fun. (laughs) But most of what the devil wants to do is deceive. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He wants to keep people from finding Jesus. The biggest problem for Christians is not celebrating the wrong holiday. It's believing false teaching. In 1 Timothy 4, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Those people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. There are lies that are permeating churches today. Lies in churches that claim to worship Jesus. Like like I'm seeing people say, you can live a sexually sinful lifestyle and still be a Christian at the same time because love is love. They'll say the Bible isn't trustworthy. They'll say you can have your own truth, that Jesus isn't the only way to be saved, that hell isn't real, so you don't need to worry about going there. All right, There is actually a church, I posted about this on Facebook, in Fountain Hills, that just published an article in the newspaper that they are starting a new series where they are teaching all these things. It's a United Methodist Church, which the United Methodist Church is a dumpster fire right now of false teaching. And and so here you see a perfect example of 1 Timothy 4.12. False teaching that comes from demons. That Jesus isn't the only way to be saved. That the Bible isn't true. right? That you can live in sin and still follow Jesus. That is demonic false teaching. And people that believe it, their consciences are dead. It gives me so much joy that God let us start a campus in Fountain Hills and launch it just a couple of weeks before. And man, I'll just say, we could only do that because a lot of people gave to Kingdom Builders. So thank you for being a part of that. It gave us the ability to to bring a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church to this community, even as another church that claims to be Christian is teaching false, false lies. That comes from the devil. That's satanic. Uh, it says this in 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. So, Don't fall for the devil's lies. He's very good at lying. That's his thing. It's subtle. His lies will sound like the truth. They'll rhyme with the truth. And the only way to defend against that is to know the truth. Scripture says it's knowing the truth that sets you free. So, man, do you know the truth? you got to have the truth knowing what what the Bible says to defend yourself against the lies of the enemy. Otherwise, you can easily be deceived and led astray. So as I come to a close here, I'd say as a Christian, I do think you should have a healthy respect. Healthy respect for the power of darkness, but you don't need to fear the power of darkness because we see it again and again in the Bible that Jesus has all authority and power. Uh, In Matthew 8, 28, I'll give you a couple quick examples of this. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake, Two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, at Jesus. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? I love this verse. I love it. Because you read it, and here are these demons calling out to Jesus. They're not posturing. They're not like, go ahead, Jesus, make my day, right? Right. They, they didn't try to attack Jesus. It's not like Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker here. They just are like, oh, man, Jesus is here. Are you here to destroy us before the appointed time? Right? Like, it just shows you how much more powerful Jesus is than demonic forces. It's not even a competition. It's, not, it's like snooze fest. Right? He's so much more powerful. And that same power lives in you as a follower of Jesus. That's so comforting to us. I'll show you one more really cool passage. It says in Acts 13, The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. 
But there's this guy in verse 8. Elymas, the sorcerer, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Paul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. You see this? A sorcerer who is engaging in witchcraft and dark arts is trying to interfere with the work of the gospel. He wasn't trying to cast spells. He wasn't trying to haunt anybody, right? He was trying to stop someone from believing in Jesus. That's what the devil does. And then I love how it goes on to say, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye, and he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. So smack talk is okay in the Bible. It's in the Bible, right? A little trash talk right here. You son of the devil. I'm just saying, right? Like, it's appropriate sometimes. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You'll not see the sunlight for some time. And instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping and begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Here again, you see the power of Jesus over the power of darkness. If you're facing any kind of demonic attack and engaging in spiritual warfare, use the weapons that God has given you. Pray in the spirit. Put on worship music. Quote the Bible, right? Believe and trust God that he is greater. It says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You don't got to go looking for him. You don't got to go shaking bushes, try to get demons to jump out, right? You don't got to go looking for people to cast demons out of. Your job is to just resist the devil and preach the gospel. That's what your job is. Believe in Jesus, preach the gospel so other people can experience the freedom that comes from Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads today at all of our campuses, in the chapel, in every location. If you're here and you say, I want to experience the power of Jesus Christ. I want the Holy Spirit to come in and take up residence in me. I don't want to live in fear of darkness. I don't want to live in fear of the devil who seeks to destroy me. I want life that comes from Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus before today and you want to right now. This could be your moment. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now, wherever you're at. Just pray this prayer and say, God, I ask you to save me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven and adopted into God's family through faith. I believe Jesus rose again to show that I have victory in Jesus' name. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward, and I want to live for him according to God's word by God's power. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.